And the Oscar goes to Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. And the Oscar goes to Lupita Nyong'o. And the Oscar goes to Halle Berry in Monsters Bay. And the Oscar goes to Hilary Swank in Boys Don't Cry. And the winner is Marvelous Meryl Streep. And the Oscar goes to Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. And the Oscar goes to Olivia Colman. Welcome back to this week's episode of Academy Queens. I'm Joey Gentili. I'm Brandon Stanwyck. And we are your LGBT look at the Academy Awards per decade, per category. And this week's episode, 1977. Mm -hmm. How you been? I've been great. Good God, it's lots happened. Yeah. So we're at the end, uh, pretty much, we're, we have three more years to go. 77 yes. today, 78 next week, 79 two weeks from now. Uh -huh. But at the time that we're recording this, uh, we've got the Academy Awards happening next Sunday. Right. So the, the Writers Guild Awards just happened. Just happened. Right? Yeah, like last night. Yeah. 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 So that was exciting. I love the Can You Ever Forgive Me love. Me too. That's like when, like one of my big movies of the year. I really like that. I wish that I got more love. Mm -hmm. um, I think the Golden Globes did it some did yeah. pretty well there. I mean, you know, the Golden Globes were a mess this year, but I mean, if they did bit. anything right, it was giving more nominations to Can You Ever Forgive Me. Uh -huh. So I dug it. Um, but I'm excited because it really kind of shook shit up. Yeah. And I like how every guild this year is giving, like, picture and writing to, like, all over the place. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm into it. I am, too. I was just uh, thinking, though, I, I, honestly, like, if there's going to be an upset anywhere, it's going to be lead actress. Yeah. Right now, Glenn Close seems like the best bet. Based yeah. on precursors and... Uh, Coleman know. is a close second, though. Yeah, people are loving Coleman. Yeah. It's a really great showy performance. I, I don't think mean showy in a bad way. I mean, like, you, you leave the favorite thinking about Coleman. Uh, you made a great tweet the other day, and I was like, you were so right talking about Coleman. Um, it, it's the performance that leaves you kind of, like, the happiest. Yeah, so, like, of all the nominees, of the acting nominees so far... And I haven't seen all of them yet, but Olivia Coleman, her performance in The Favorite, probably brought me the most joy yeah. of all the performances. Yeah. yeah. And, I don't know, that means something to me. I don't know if it's going to mean something to the voters. No, I mean, you know, down the line, of course, we'll get to 2018, we'll get to up to current, but, I mean, I love Coleman in this. Mm -hmm. And people like, people, some people on film Twitter are like, oh, she's supporting. I'm like, bitch, she's not supporting. I put her in lead, yeah. Emma Stone should be in lead. Yeah, she should. Rachel Weisz is right where she needs to be. She's on, I'm on the fence with her. I'm right. okay with her being in supporting. I could see her being in lead and I wouldn't be upset about it. She's like right on the line. Well, see the thing, you know, with, with me, I always go by um, time performance compared yeah, to screen, screen time. Yeah, time is like your primary. Yeah, so that's that's where I make the argument. And Rachel Weisz has the least amount of screen time of the three. Well, Emma Stone has the most and Coleman is like in the middle. right in the middle. Yeah. But Coleman still leads in, or goes into lead category because of her screen time compared to the run time. And she's the biggest performer. Right. Nothing would be happening if it wasn't for her. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm, I don't think, you know, I could eat my words as of next week, but I honestly don't think Close is as locked as we think she is. And by the time this goes out, the Oscars will have happened. Right. So everyone listening already knows. Yeah. 
So this will be interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see if I'm wrong here or not. I would I would I wouldn't mind Glenn Close winning. I'd also love Coleman, of course, and McCarthy. I McCarthy really is love so McCarthy. good. I wrote a whole article about it. It's yeah, out now. Tell tell them about it. So I wrote an article for Filmotomy. Uh, we were doing a series of for your consideration articles. Uh, everyone got to choose one or two nominees. I chose McCarthy. I wrote a whole thing about it, like an 800 word article. It was about, really good. About why I think she should possibly could win mm -hmm. you know so i'm a big fan of mccarthy i would be very happy if she won for can you ever forgive me yeah there's um there's three really strong i mean we're totally not going to go into this because we'll have to get to it eventually but i think there's three really strong um lead performances nominated this year and two one that's like okay and one that's just like no mm. like she has no business being there in my opinion but i do because we don't really talk about this i'm interested to um to hear really quick before we jump into the actresses here, what do you think of our best picture this year? So I haven't seen everything yet. The favorite is my favorite movie mm -hmm. of what I've seen. I'm also a fan of Roma, and I know you're not a fan of Roma. Mm -hmm. I also really digged Black Panther, Doug. I'm not sure what the past tense of that would be. Dig Doug. Yeah. That's good. So I think it's a bit of a long shot for mm -hmm. a superhero movie to win, but I think it's, it's kind of a remarkable superhero movie, and I think it's deserving of every bit of praise it's gotten yeah so, so you'd vote you'd vote for the favorite if i were a voter i'd vote for the favorite okay so same yeah um i'm a hundred percent on the favorite train i love it it's my favorite of the nominees it's not my favorite picture of last year because my sure. favorite picture of last year was suspiria and that didn't mm. get a nomination here um but i would say the favorite followed by black panther and definitely Roma is the worst nominee of that group, in my opinion. It, I just, I don't get it. I don't yeah. get the love. But that's a whole other... That's okay. That, you know, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, but definitely the favorite is where I would go if I had an Oscar ballot for, mm -hmm. um, for picture this year. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what happens. Mm -hmm. So, uh, do you want to be ready to dive in? Yeah. Perfect. All right. So this year we're doing 1977. The, the, you know, we got a lot of solid movies this year to talk about. The Turning Point, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Annie Hall. Julia. But again, we're not so much focused on the perform or on the, um, the movies as we are at the performances themselves. Right. So diving in, here are your class of 77 supporting actresses. Leslie Brown in The Turning Point. Quinn Cummings in The Goodbye Girl. Melinda Dillon in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Vanessa Redgrave and Julia. Tuesday Weld and Looking for Mr. Goodbar. All right. So actually starting off is a Cleveland native, uh, Melinda Dillon. Oh, I didn't know she was from Cleveland. Yes, yes. Melinda Dillon, um, who played Julian Goulier. Goulier? Goulier. We'll say Goulier. Yeah. This is her first of two nominations. And going into Oscar night, she had not a singular precursor. Interesting. Yeah. So um, in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Melinda Dillon plays the mom of the, kind of like the, I would honestly say the main protagonist almost, the little boy. Oh, okay. Um, kind of, I feel like, drives the story more than Dreyfus's character. And it's kind of like her realization of what's going on in her life and what's going on with her kid and what's going on in her house. And... Um, you kind of get the the sense in a way that her character is almost the audience itself. Yeah. Um, but start us off on this. So I had act I actually did not realize that she had gotten a nomination for this movie until we were talking months ago about putting together this podcast mm -hmm. and going through the nominees from the seventies. Yeah. 
I had had no idea that she was even nominated for this. And when I saw her name, I was like, wait, was she like, was she the mom? Mm -hmm. Like, I, it took me a second to even realize because I also hadn't seen it in years. No. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't actually surprise me that she didn't have that many precursors because I don't think she, she's not bad in this. But I think this is a bit of an inspired choice for the Academy. Um, for me, she. She is just kind of like the concerned mom. Yeah. Like I get what you're saying about how she's the she's the audience looking in on this these this phenomena mm -hmm. that's going on. Like that scene where they're in the house and like the vents are exploding and there's all these lights and yeah. And she kind of is acting as the audience in this sort of what the hell is going on sort of thing when she's trying to protect her son from these entities that yeah. she doesn't really understand. But for me, like other than that, it's okay. Yeah, um, I'm not gonna lie. I forget every time that she's in this movie. Yeah, like I didn't. I hadn't. It had been years since I'd seen this, and I didn't really remember her at all. Had I nominated an actress in this movie, I think it would have gone Terry Gar. Oh yeah, I had forgotten that she was in this too. Yeah, I would have definitely gone for Terry Gar. Um, Melinda Dillon doesn't really do anything for me here. Mm -hmm. um, she. Yeah, I, I guess saying inspired choice is the best way to put that nicely. Um, I think if anything, this nomination came from a love at the time of Close Encounters. Yeah. You know, at this point, Spielberg was two years fresh off of, um, what became the blockbuster with Jaws. Right. So I think this was like, how do we follow up Jaws with the next back, the next best blockbuster and out came Close Encounters. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's, I kind of say it like this, like when people are like, Hey, what's your favorite Quentin Tarantino film? And I... I tell them what it is, and they're like, it's not Pulp Fiction. I'm like, listen, Pulp Fiction was great for its time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't hold up really well, in my opinion. I don't think it's a great movie. Now, I, I think I think that's the same way of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I think it's great for 1977, but it's boring to me now. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of Close Encounters. I understand yeah. perfectly why, like, in 1977, this was a big deal. Oh, yeah. But for me, watching it, like, even when I saw it years ago, like, there's a reason I don't really remember that much. I didn't remember that much about it, like... When it comes to Close Encounters, all I really remembered was Richard Drivers getting on the ship. Yeah. Like, at the very end. Yeah. So, for me, this movie doesn't really do a whole lot. Yeah. And I had completely forgotten about um, Dylan. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't even realize that she had been nominated, to be honest. Like, I know mm -hmm. maybe that sounds mean, but I don't know. I feel like this was... Her nomination is a love for this movie. Yeah. And maybe a weak pool of supporting women this year. Yeah, 77 kind of gets a rep of like how lead actress 75 got, where it's a very weak year. Mm -hmm. I would argue there are three really strong performances here. Um, Dylan is just not one of them. Yeah, I agree. So, but yeah, this is her first of two. Her next one would come in, again, the supporting category in 1981 for Absence of Malice, which we'll get to next season. Right. Moving on. All right. The next one we had, little Quinn Cummings, who played Lucy McFadden. This was her sole nomination. And going into Oscar night, she had a Golden Globe nomination for Best Supporting Actress. In The Goodbye Girl, um, Quinn Cummings plays the daughter of Marsha Mason, who we'll talk about here shortly as well. And uh, pretty much, she is just a little sassy button. Yeah. Um, she is the third... Uh, of the many children of the 70s who got nominated here. Um, but she is the last child to get nominated in the supporting category. No, she's the fourth, supporting actually. actress. Right, but I was thinking, so Tate O'Neill, Linda Blair was one year, and then I forgot Joey about Jodie Foster. Foster, which I always forget, which we talked about in 76. Um, and Justin. Well, Justin Henry, but late. yeah. He's but supporting actresses-wise, she's right. the last of the children right. of the decade. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so sh this is her only nomination. She unfortunately really didn't have like a huge career in film after this or in general in the entertainment industry in front of the camera. Um, but what is your, uh, what's your thoughts on Queen Cummings? So I really enjoyed her in this movie. Mm. Um, usually the whole precocious child thing really gets on my nerves kind of fast. Yeah. Um, and usually I feel like another actor... I would have been really annoyed and I would have been like grinding my teeth throughout the entire movie. Mm -hmm. But she brings this like genuine nature to it. Her dialogue is very written. Mm -hmm. Like it's clearly a very clever, smart playwright right. writing these words. But that's Neil Simon for you. Yes. Yeah. So it's Neil Simon and she kind of delivers them pretty well. Yeah. Like any other kid who wasn't quite as, um, I don't know, intellectually driven as I think Quinn Cummings is mm -hmm. may have fallen and not lived up to the writing that Neil Simon was doing. Yeah. She really does a great job with this. I believed her, even though she's speaking at a much heightened level than someone her age would, I kind of bought it. Yeah. I mean, I think this is definitely one of those examples where you have to cast the right person to do this. When we talk next week about Penelope Milford, I'm, I'm going to make an argument for her, which I'm just giving you a little heads up, about it, her character that she plays is like, no one else could do it. Mm -hmm. Quinn Cummings falls in that same exact category, where had this been any other actress at that age, it could have just been hammed, it could have been over the top, you could have just wanted to slap the shit out of her. They could have struggled yeah, with the dialogue. Yeah, but Quinn does really well here. Um, yeah. You can tell that she, as an actress, is very smart. Yeah, like if we're gonna if we're gonna compare apples to oranges here in a way, if you would have had Tatum O'Neill in this role, mm -hmm. who at this point would have been too old for this role, because this was how many years oh, after, about four years after, just a couple years. Yeah, I mean, I feel like as great of an actress as Tatum O'Neill is, you couldn't have done it like Quinn did it. Mm -hmm. um, she's good. Uh, I don't hate this at all. I think she gets she gets a lot of shit for this though. A lot of people do find this to be annoying. I'm not one of them. I think a lot of people are kind of in, uh, in the same like boat that I am, that the whole precocious kid gets kind of old kind of fast. But this one is a bit of an exception for me. Yeah, if anything, she's like really adorable. Like, I don't even like kids, and I'd be like, I want to hang out with this kid. Yeah, and she holds her own. But I also think, too, I, I kind of dig this because that was me as a child. Yeah. That was 100% me as a child. Yeah, I saw myself in uh -huh, character yeah. too. Lucy is... I was Lucy at that age. Yeah, smart little gay boys probably see <laughs> themselves in this character. 100%. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I dig it. I, I really... You know, if you don't follow Quinn Cummings on Twitter, especially, like, she's awesome or read her books. Yeah, she's pretty fierce on Twitter. Her books are fantastic, too. I haven't read her books yet. Quinn Cummings actually just made news um, this past week um, from Twitter. She posted a tweet about... Um, if your family doesn't accept you as an LGBT kid, I'm your mom now. And it made oh. national headlines. And so good for you, Quinn. I would love to have her on. I actually invited her onto the show. Um, and she respectfully declined, which is unfortunate because I'd love to pick her brain about this. But I also get it. She had mentioned yeah. that that was so long ago and she doesn't like to live in the past. Like, she's a voting Academy member, so I do know that about her. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, she, she just... It's not her thing. Isn't she an agent now or a publicist? No, she, she was an agent. She, okay. She's a writer. Okay. She, um, she's a writer now. Um, but she also does stand-up comedy. So if you're on the West Coast and you uh, get, any, get any chance to see Quinn Cummings do stand-up, do it. Um, I've seen a couple of her videos, and she's actually really good. Hmm. So good for you, Quinn. Yeah, go Quinn. All right, moving on. We have Leslie Brown as Amelia in The Turning Point. This is Leslie's sole nomination. Um, going into Oscar night, she had a Golden Globe nomination for Supporting Actress. 
And in The Turning Point, um, Leslie plays essentially what is kind of herself. This is a semi-autobiographical film about her family. Leslie does come from the world of ballet. She's a world-famous ballet dancer who uh, teaches now ballet in New York. Um, and in the movie, she plays a girl who is the prodigy daughter of two world-renowned ballet artists. Yeah. Ballet dancers, forgive me. And uh, it's kind of her story about how she goes from the daughter to the star. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on uh, Leslie? I really enjoyed her in this movie. Like, I didn't know anything about The Turning Point mm -hmm. before going into it. I watched it for the first time in preparation for this uh, podcast. Yeah. And I didn't really know anything about her or really what the movie was about besides dance. Yeah. And I'm surprised she didn't uh, pursue acting after this. I know dance was her passion. Yeah. And she continued with dance and mm -hmm. teaching. But um, she's kind of a natural at acting as well. Yeah. This is definitely a role, and I, it's unfortunate, that gets a lot of hate. Mm. If you look at film Twitter, if you look at, like, go through message boards of old Academy Award, like, pages, people scratch their heads with this role, and it's unnecessary. Because she is so naturally gifted as an actress for not being an actress. Um, and she's really good here. Do people, do you think, hate on her performance because they feel like she's just being her I self? Don't, I don't know. But, I mean, as an actor, the hardest the hardest thing you could ever do is play yourself. Yeah, without being too cerebral about it. Right. So, I don't know why people hate it. And I don't know why. I mean, I know why. Okay, so, again, I've had contact for a couple of years now with Leslie. She's actually... um. Uh, she agreed to do a project. I was doing a project a couple years ago with the, with Karen Black and yeah. whatnot. And my producing partner at that time, Misty Upham, um, we were going to do this in the film. And I was like, hey, like I had to track her down. There was, she had no no contact on IMDb Pro. I literally had to track down like where she taught and leave my number. Hope she called back and she did. Yada, yada, yada. Anyway, so I was going to bring her back into the world of acting with a role in this film that I was doing with Misty and Karen. And... Uh, so yeah, we've been in contact for a couple of years now and, you know, I got to pick her brain a little bit. I'd love to, you know, bring on the show. We actually, we have her scheduled on the show. Um, we have an open invitation for her, her scheduled though. It's just so ridiculous, uh, because she is a dance teacher now in New York city. Yeah. Anyway, um, where was I going with this? Uh, she didn't have a, a huge career after that. The two films she followed up with were kind of like 10 years apart mm -hmm. and they were both directed by Herbert Ross who directed her in this, who was her godfather. Right. Um, but she does, she does love acting. She does want to return to it from the last time I talked to her. I think she's doing actually a project now. So hopefully we'll see her on her screen soon. But yeah, I think she's really good here. Um, cherries for Remembrance. When she does the whole drunk scene, it's so it's so good. Her drunk sequence is hilarious. Yeah. And she performs drunk and like Anne Bancroft is in the wings like losing her mind. Yes, and Shirley MacLaine's like, what? <laughs> like, my daughter. And I'm just like, Cheryl. And we'll, chill, girl. we'll get to Anne and Shirley later. I can't wait to... But, I, I um, love The Turning Point. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It is a gay man's fantasy, it, that movie. That movie is kind of gay candy. And I told you, too, I remember texting you before you watched it for the first time, like, wait until the cat fight. And you're like, what? Yeah. And then you text me, like, oh. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this movie. I like it a lot. Um, I gotta yeah. say, this would have been my pick for Best Picture this year. Oh, really? The Turning Point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. Yeah. I dig it. Um, do you have anything else you want to add to Leslie? Uh, not right now. <laughs> 
All right. All right. So uh, next up, we had our winner of that year, Vanessa Redgrave, mm -hmm. uh, who played Julia in Julia. She was the title character. This is her fourth of six nominations following uh, Morgan, Isadora, and then Mary Queen of Scots, which we talked about in 71. Yes. Um, this is where she won, and this was a very controversial win. Yeah. Um, she, going into Oscar night, she won the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress. She won the Los Angeles Film Critics Association Award for Best Supporting. And then she was nominated for the New York Film Critics Association for Best Supporting. So really going into Oscar night, she had the most precursor nominations and or wins of any of the nominees. Um, so in Julia, again, Vanessa Hargrave plays Julia, who is best friends with Lillian, played by Jane Fonda who, even though Redgrave is the title character, the movie doesn't focus on her, focuses on the Fonda character. And she's kind of like the liberal outspoken of the two when it comes to politics. Now, this movie takes place pre-Nazi Germany, into Nazi Germany, and a little bit post-Nazi Germany. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even say post. I think it's like right in the middle there. And um, well, the movie's a memory, so it does start later. Yeah, and you're then right. Flash, most of the movie's a flashback, technically. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, and she kind of plays the rebel. She's a she's a really wealthy girl who's like, fuck you, parents. Fuck the system. Fuck the man. And she does her own thing. So um, start us off. So I really like Vanessa Redgrave in this. I think she has a real conviction about her. Sometimes with Vanessa Redgrave, and we've talked about this in other episodes, sometimes I feel like she's phoning it in a little bit. Yeah. But this one here, I like felt the fire inside her, especially at that last scene. I think it's the last scene they have together at the bar where... Um, Lillian is passing her the money that's like sewn inside the hat. Yeah. And you can feel with the crutches. Yeah. yeah. And you can feel that um Julia feels that this might be the last time she ever sees her childhood friend again cuz she's like a she's like a freedom fighter or something at this yeah. point. And um she needs this money that they've convinced Lillian to smuggle into Germany and she goes through all these weird Argo like um checkpoints. Yeah. And she eventually gets the money to Julia so they can continue with their activism. And I don't know, there's like a weird sentimental vibe that like Vanessa Redgrave was sending out. Like I can, I could feel their entire past in that scene. And I could also feel that Julia knew that her time was waning. Yeah. And I, I just really love that scene, like how it sort of pulls back at the end when Lillian leaves, when like, I think Julia's like, you've got to go before yeah. they catch on and because they'll kill you too. Mm -hmm. And like Lillian leaves and the camera slowly pulls back with her and we're leaving Julia in this bar knowing mm -hmm. she's probably going to die soon. Yeah. I was a really big fan of that scene. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> you told me you didn't like this movie. You're like, yeah. Um, I... If, obviously... If you've made it to 77, you most likely have listened to our 71 episode. Right. And it's going to sound like I have this thing, like this vendetta against Vanessa Redgrave. If we did the 60s first and we talked about Isadora and Morgan, you would understand that I love Vanessa Redgrave. You don't like the 70s. I don't like 70s Vanessa Redgrave. Yeah. I don't like this movie. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of the movie. I like her performance. I don't like the performance. Mm -hmm. um, like Mary Queen of Scots, I find this very phoned in. Mm -hmm. I find this very over the top when I feel, and you and you said this to me. I think um, you might have said this to me actually, where I I don't usually 
like go into more reserved performances like you do. Yeah. But I think the role of Julia should have been more reserved. Okay. I think she's a little too over the top for where I would have played Julia had that been me. Um, I think the best weapon is your silent and deadly weapon. Mm. And for some reason, Vanessa does not come off that way to me. See, I didn't feel like she was over the top. I felt like I, she was I, getting... acting wise, not character okay, wise. Okay. Not character wise. She was clearly giving off signals. Like she yeah. was trying to in that scene in particular, she's trying to communicate with Lillian without actually saying anything because they're surrounded by Nazis. Yeah. So I think do you think she was a little bit too clear? I don't know. To the camera? I just I, I think if okay, if I had done this. If I had if I had done If you this, were Julia. Had I been Julia Picture it. Mm-hmm. Picture it. <laughs> Picture it. Europe, 1976. Joey Gentile in the role of Julia. I think what I would have done was, as a character, if you're trying... Like, if, if we're sitting and having tea, like, you're Lillian, I'm Julia. I yeah. would have acted scared. Because you had to be scared at that time. But if you're tough, you know what you're doing. Yeah. I think she came off a little too in your face. Hmm. That's what I mean by reserved. Bring it back a little bit. Let me let me have some mystery. What's going on? You mentioned like you feel like this is the last time you're gonna see her alive. I didn't get that when I watched the movie. I'm like, oh, we'll we'll see her again. Yeah. Didn't come off that way to me. Um, see, I think she was scared. I also too. <laughs> fun fact about this is that Ronnie Blakely had tested for this role. Right. And I feel uh, had Fred Zinnemann given Ronnie this role. I think. If you've seen Ronnie's post Nashville career with like uh, with the driver, I don't know if you've ever seen that. No. She plays kind of like a, she plays um her character is called the connection, so mm. she's the middleman, middlewoman, and I feel like Julia should have been the middlewoman here. And Ronnie did it so good in the driver that I'm like, oh, she could have done this here too, and this could have been her Oscar win. Yeah. Um, I don't like it. I just it's okay. I don't think the right person won here this year. So okay. So that's just that's me. Yeah, that's okay. Should I move on? Yeah, sure. All right. <sighs> You're like, I love it. I'm like, nope. <laughs> uh, the last person we had was Tuesday Weld for Looking for Mr. Goodbar. Mm-hmm. And she plays the role of Catherine. This is Tuesday Weld's sole nomination. In this movie, Tuesday plays the older sister of Diane Keaton. And she's kind of like the rebellious child, the backbone to where she's literally the old, the, the eldest child. The eldest child's mm-hmm. always getting in trouble. I'm the eldest child that was always in trouble. So I get it. Um, and, uh, she, she kind of plays like the anti-establishment to her parents and she's the support for Diane Keaton. And yeah, I mean, there's, you can't really, you can't really describe Catherine outside of that. I feel. Yeah. She, she doesn't have a whole lot of agency in this movie outside of her sister. Yeah. Without Diane Keaton, there's no Catherine. There's no right, Tuesday Walt. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's she's fine in this. I think the scene that I think about is where I think um, Diane Keaton's character is being like attacked or something and mm-hmm. Tuesday Weld flies in and helps her like fend off the guy and they push him out of the apartment. Yeah. Like that's what I think of when I think of the Tuesday Weld performance. But other than that, like I'm struggling to really come up with any other moments where I think there's the Oscar. I love this role. Yeah. So like how you are. So we're gonna switch. <laughs> we're, here. we're switching. Yeah. yeah. I think Tuesday Well is brilliant here. She doesn't have much to do, but what she does have to work with is fantastic. Um, obviously, the scene where she's comes to Diane Keaton's defense, but also too, there's the 
there's the uh, beginning where we meet her, where she's going to Puerto Rico, mm. and she's like, I met the guy in my life, and then, like, 20 minutes later, she's on the phone, like, I hate this dude, but I'm getting an abortion, and, like, um, and then you obviously have the orgy scene, and, again, I'm the oldest child, so I don't know where you are in the I'm child. I'm the oldest. Okay, so, being the oldest child, I was always in trouble, I was always the one to be like, fuck the police, and, you know what I mean, like, mm-hmm. rebel. I see myself in this character. I'm okay. like, that's me 100%. Um, but I really like her. It's funny, though, because Tuesday Weld is, like, notorious for being a great actress, but a recluse. Mm. She hasn't done anything since, I think, 1997. Isn't she, like, living somewhere, like, in the, the wilderness? Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, <laughs> I knew 100% we would never get an interview with her, but I just called her agent just in case. She's like, no, nope, Tuesday Weld's not doing anything anymore. I'm like, well, okay, why are you representing her then? What, what, yeah. What's the point? Anyway, um... So it's funny because she was such a big star of the 60s that out of everything that she's ever done, this was her nomination, but I'm here for it. I love it. Mm-hmm. I, I really like this one. I'm glad that she got nominated. Eventually. I'm like, I'm happy for her. Yeah, I mean, you know, she's she will be Academy Award nominee Tuesday Bell because she's never going to do anything again. Mm-hmm. So that was her one time. But yeah. um, I do. I like this a lot. I don't think she's my favorite part of Looking for Mr. Goodbar. I'm sure we'll get into no. that later. Yeah. But um, I, I, yeah, she's a favorite in this lineup for me. Okay. So anything else you want to add? Um, no, I think we'll get into, we'll get into looking for good bar definitely later. Yeah. But, um, for right now, I think I'm good on Tuesday Weld. <laughs> yeah, because I definitely think when we actually talk, because we'll, we'll be talking about Diane Keaton, you and I are actually on the same page for this one. Yeah. So, um, we're a little, we're definitely mixed on 77 though. A little bit. A little bit, a little bit. All right, moving on? Yes. All right, what do we got? So your nominees for lead actress from 1977 are... Diane Keaton in Annie Hall. Anne Bancroft in The Turning Point, Shirley MacLaine in The Turning Point, Jane Fonda in Julia, and Marsha Mason in The Goodbye Girl. Okay, so let's just go ahead and start with Diane Keaton, if you don't mind. Yeah. So uh, she's nominated here for Annie Hall, and she is the winner of the year. Mm -hmm. This was her first of four nominations. Uh, Going into this, she wins the Golden Globe for comedy, tying with Marsha Mason. She wins the BAFTA. She wins the National Society of Film Critics. She wins the New York Film Critics Circle. And she wins the National Board of Review in the supporting category, which is interesting. So in Annie Hall, she plays Annie Hall, the eccentric and kind of silly woman who Alvy, played by Woody Allen, goes in and out of love with over the course of the movie. Yeah. So um, thoughts on Diane Keaton in Annie Hall? She's quirky, but mm-hmm. Annie Hall, or I'm sorry, but Diane Keaton is playing Diane Keaton in this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't... I don't love this. I don't love Woody Allen movies. Right. That's the thing. Like, if yeah. I, and I, if I'm gonna love a Woody Allen movie, it's always gonna be Bullets Over Broadway. Mm-hmm. I think Diane Keaton won this year, but for the wrong movie. I agree. Um, so we just teased it a little bit. A little Tuesday, bit. Tuesday, well, a little bit. So Diane Keaton was also in Looking for Mr. Goodbar this year. What she got the Golden Globe nomination for drama. In both categories. So she was nominated for Annie Hall there. Right. And won. And she was nominated for drama for Looking for Mr. Goodbar. Yeah. And I feel like that should have been her Oscar nomination. Oh, 100%. I think Annie Hall was the more seen film. And it was the more highly... Safer. It was yeah, the safer it was safer. Role. And yeah. it was more highly regarded. Yeah. It was getting in at picture, director. Woody Allen got in. Yeah. In a couple places. And Diane Keaton in Annie Hall, I guess, maybe just made the most sense to people ticking off the ballot. Maybe less people had seen Looking for Mr. Goodbar. But here in Annie Hall, she's fine. It's nothing special. Yeah, this is not her best work. Which she, is funny because her best work was that year. Yeah. The one that she didn't get the nomination for. Right. So like, 
It's interesting. I think, I think part of the reason that I'm so meh on Tuesday Weld is because of Diane Keaton and looking for Mr. Goodbar. I think she... Which I can see the argument. She surprised me so much in that movie. You texted me throughout watching this, like, holy shit. Like, I was, like, I think yes. I was texting you pictures of my TV. Yes. And I was like, what the fuck am I watching? Why doesn't <laughs> Diane Keaton do this more? Yes. Because it is, like, it's probably the best I've ever seen her. I've been kind of lukewarm on Diane Keaton pretty yeah. much since forever. Yeah. She's never really been that actress for me. And then I watched Looking for Mr. Goodbar, and I was like, where has this Diane Keaton yeah. been since 1977? Yeah. This is... This is definitely, I don't want to say this is an example, because it's definitely not an example of category for I don't know why she wasn't supporting for whatever critics that was. But this is the prime example of right win, wrong movie. Yeah. yeah. In the same year. In the same year. Yeah. Um, I, like, I just want to talk about her in this Looking for Mr. Goodbar, which I know it's not what she's nominated for, so it's kind of defeating the purpose, but fuck it, we make the rules on this. I wonder how many people voted for her... So people because you can't you can't compete against yourself in the same category. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So they had to pick one. Right. I wonder when she got the nomination for Annie Hall and people were checking off their ballots for the final winner. How many fans of Looking for Mr. Goodbar checked her even though it's for Annie Hall because they wanted to reward her that year anyway? Well, it kind of takes me back to '76 with uh, Marie Christine Barreau in Cousin Cuisine. Yeah. Where I have I seriously have this theory where they just. Because the other, um, Marie Pignol, I think her name was. The supporting I, Yeah, the supporting I don't have her name in front of me. But she had the same exact, Marie Christine Perot, I think. No, because it's Michigan. The name's so right, anyway, similar. They're very similar. And they, the supporting actress was getting all the nominations, and all of a sudden... She got nothing. She got nothing. Um, and then the lead actress, who had gotten nothing, yeah. got that. But screen. again, though, I, it, I think it was just the love of Annie Hall, because Annie Hall was one of the biggest... Like money makers of that year. Yeah, so I think it's a But mix. this is where the politics comes into the Oscars. I, I think it's a mix of people just loving Annie Hall and just checking the boxes down, like straight ticket down the ballot. Yeah. And then there was probably some people who had seen Good Bar and were like, Diane Keaton's amazing. Even though this is the wrong movie, I love Diane Keaton this, yeah. this year. What Keaton should have done for Annie Hall, she brings in Good Bar. Yeah. Yeah. And which is weird too because Good Bar is notorious. It's never been brought over to DVD officially. The DVD copy that I have is just a copy that was. Transferred from VHS to DVD. Mm-hmm. Like, it's impossible to find for most people. Yeah. It's, it's so, a difficult find. I mean, it's a great movie, though. Mm-hmm. It's a great movie. It's actually scary. Yeah, it, especially the ending. Yeah. I where mean, she's, like, attacked. Yeah, I mean, yeah. spoiler alert. They've, they've had plenty of time to track this fucker down. And if you can't find it now, you're never going to find it. Yeah, I mean, fucking... There's a scene at the end where... Um, Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger, who we'll get to in 86 eventually, because mm-hmm. uh, he's nominated for Platoon that year... Um, stabs the shit out of Diane Keaton's character. Yes. And it's like, the way it's filmed, it's this strobe light with this music and Tom Berenger's in this like jock strap. And it's it's very, looking for Mr. Goodbar is very gay fetish 70s movie, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. I so, so I bought the book after watching the movie. I haven't read it yet, uh, but I, I want to read it yeah. to see how it all plays out. Because it's a true story. I, didn't, I knew it was inspired by, like, events. I didn't know how true it was. No, no. The, the, the character that she played was killed like that. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> anyway, that's our love for looking for Mr. Goodbye. Yeah, less love for Annie Hall, more love for Goodbye. Yeah. Annie Hall's me. Yeah, I'm, it's not my favorite Alan. No. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about Alan's work quite a bit over the course of this, because a lot of women got nominated for his movies. Yeah, this is kind of the start of the uh, Women of Alan yeah, he, he was a great writer for women, but he's also a really um, problematic person. Very problematic. He's, we'll he's, we, we've officially started with 74 with Polanski and his problem, and now we've joined the problem of Woody Allen. Well, so. Polanski will kind of fade away 
He'll come back, though. It, yeah. But, um, yeah, we're going to be talking about Woody Allen quite a bit, and uh, we're going to have to be separating these actresses from him. Yeah, that, that, let's, that, let's make that clear now, because we are bringing in Allen into this. Our looks into the movie represent the movie and the work, not the person. Yeah. Unless we're talking specifically about, like, eventually we're going to be talking about Woody Allen in Annie Hall, because he was nominated for lead actor here. It's, and in Manhattan, which is... An interesting autobiographical... Let's say that for 79. Yeah. <laughs> We've got two weeks to go on that yeah. one. I don't have the energy yet for that. Um, but yeah, so just... We're making it very clear right now that we're when we talk about these, it's it's the work, it's not... It's the women. Yeah, it's it's not the personal life. So Yeah, so we're, we're talking about and rewarding the women. Right, right. Who put All up right. with Woody Allen. Let's move on. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm over his ass. Okay. So we're going to move on to Anne Bancroft. Yes. For The Turning Point. Mm-hmm. This is her fourth of five nominations, previously nominated for The Miracle Worker, The Pumpkin Eater, and The Graduate. Mm-hmm. And uh, her precursors here were the Golden Globe for Drama. She was nominated there. She was also nominated for the BAFTA uh, later in like 1979, it looks like I wrote here. And she won the National Board of Review. In The Turning Point, she plays Emma, a professional dancer and former rival to Dee Dee, played by Shirley MacLaine, who we'll get to here in a minute. And she sort of becomes the mentor to Amelia, Leslie Brown's character, who we talked about a little bit ago. So, thoughts on Anne Bancroft in The Turning Point? Before I get into thoughts, and I want your opinion on this, I'm kind of just springing this on you now. I feel like you can't talk about... And Bancroft without bringing in Shirley MacLaine. So do you want to hit those two together? Yeah, I was actually going to do, do them separate? back to back so we can totally do them. Do you, uh, to... do you want to do it that way? Yeah, or... let's talk about them at the same okay, time. Okay, so let's do it. Yeah, because this is a movie, and this is like when we get to Thelma and Louise where you can't talk about Gina Davis without talking about yeah. Susan Sarandon at the same exact time. Yeah, so let me... Uh, yeah, let's do both. I'll do Shirley MacLaine now, and then we'll just combine them. Cool. So this is uh, Shirley MacLaine's fourth of five acting nominations. Uh, she was previously nominated for Some Came Running, The Apartment, and... Irma LaDouche? LaDouche? I'm not sure how to say it. I think it's Irma LaDouche. LaDouche? Okay. I mean, I say douche. Okay. And (laughs) she didn't really get any um, precursors going into this. And she plays Dee Dee, a former dancer who has to confront her past when her um, daughter decides to take up dancing more seriously and becomes a a student of Mm -hmm. the Anne Bancroft character, who was uh, basically her friend and foe when they were young people. Yeah. So, I will start this off by saying the turning point in my eyes is the Leslie Brown and Anne Bancroft movie. Yes. Um, I feel like putting, especially because Shirley MacLaine didn't have any precursors really going into this for this, hers was kind of the coattail lead nomination. Um, I honestly would almost argue putting Leslie Brown in lead. I, I forgot to mention when we talked about Leslie Brown, there's like a solid chunk in the middle of the movie where she becomes like the driving force of the movie. Yeah. And so like I think it's I think it's okay that she's in supporting, but there is like a good chunk of this act two of this movie where the movie is about her. Yes. However, with yeah. my rules of screen time. Right. They're in the right categories. I agree with the way they are, but yes. it's it gets tricky. Yes, this is one of those tricky things. Um, starting with Anne Bancroft, I think she's phenomenal here. Mm-hmm. I think she's really goddamn good. Um, out of the three, she's my favorite of the women that this movie follows. Um, Anne Bancroft was a phenomenal actress. Yeah. And I think this is... If you look at, like, Agnes of God, if you look at The Pumpkin Eater, if you look at 
Miracle Worker, if you look at The Graduate, um, the graduate and obviously this is her nominations, this is her most down-to-earth performance. Mm-hmm. And I think she brings such a realism to that type of lifestyle and where you're at in your career. Because there's that point in the movie where she's, you know, the star of the upcoming performance and she gets into a heated argument where she's at the point in her career where she can say, fuck you, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. But she's like fighting this new director who's doing this new ballet. And he's a young guy. He's a young guy who thinks he knows his shit, which he probably does for his own work. But in his own right, he knows his shit. But but when you're bringing in uh, her character, who's this amount of talent for this caliber, like she can bend the rules. She's allowed to. Yeah. And, it's kind of like what Black Swan did with Winona Ryder before Black Swan was a thing, where mm. she's getting phased out from her age. Yeah. And so she's realizing that while still bringing up the Amelia Leslie Brown character, and then now she's dealing with a, a reheated rivalry with Shirley MacLaine. Now, going into Shirley MacLaine, I think she's good here. Yeah. I don't think this is Shirley MacLaine's best work. No, I don't either. But, I, but I'm not against this nomination. I think, she, I think she's perfectly well nominated here but i don't think she stood a snowball's chance on Halloween winning that night no i was way more captivated by ann bancroft yeah um for me shirley mclean's performance here and i think this is the nature of the character it's a little soapy for me i think that's shirley mclean in general though but i see what you're saying yeah she kind of she kind of goes through the gamut of emotions she gets yeah. loud she gets quiet she gets mad she cries yeah it's this is like Shirley MacLaine acting with a capital A. Yeah. And after a while, I was like, I-, I got you, Shirley. In my opinion, Shirley MacLaine, her best performance was something she wasn't even nominated for, and that was Postcards from the Edge mm. with Meryl Streep, which we'll get to in 1990. Oh, right. yeah. Um, but you said it perfectly. Shirley MacLaine is a soapy actress. Yeah. But that's, if you think about the time period she started, mm-hmm. it fits her. That's true. So I'm not hating on her for it. Yeah, I'm not hating on it. It is what it is. Yeah. I think it fits in a way. Yeah. But at the same time, I was I was more drawn to Anne Bancroft's more yeah. grounded performance. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Anne Bancroft has a little bit... She has more layers. Mm-hmm. And she's not quite um, showing you everything on her sleeve like Shirley yeah. MacLaine. She's kind of... Shirley MacLaine's kind of just letting it all out there. Which is cool because Anne Bancroft's character is the opposite. Yeah. And I think in a way that works yeah. on screen. But I just find Anne Bancroft's performance more interesting. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Again, I would argue that McLean should be in supporting, but, you know, going off of story-wise, but due to my rule of runtime, she's in the right category. Right. Because she's, she's so. a big part of, like, the first act and the last act, but in the middle, if I remember right, she kind of fades away for a while. She's become... like, I mean, yeah, Tom Skerritt. She's like, Tom Skerritt disappears for a yeah. solid chunk of the movie, and so does Charlotte McLean. Yeah, and then she comes back in the third act with, like, a, a vengeance. Vengeance. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I like I said though, I really love the turning point. That would have been my best picture. I enjoyed it. So I was, I enjoyed the hell out. Can of we it. talk about the cat fight though? At, oh yeah, at the end. Ooh, girl. Where they just let all their feelings out. So I guess Bancroft told Herbert Ross because Herbert Ross also directed the Goodbye Girl for that year, right? Um, that she was gonna throw the champagne into Sean McLean's face. So that re- and they didn't tell her about it. So that reaction is a hundred percent legit. Mm. And I love shit like that. Um, we'll talk about it in 79, but there was, you know, the Kramer versus Kramer scene where Dustin Hoffman threw the glass of wine against the wall and Meryl Streep's reaction is natural. She didn't know that was happening. So I like when shit like that happens. Um, but that cat fight scene is fantastic. Yeah. That's, that's gold right there. It's it's fun. 
And they just start spanking each other. <laughs> yeah, and then they start like laughing. Yeah. They, they let out all of their secrets and yeah. their disdain for each other that they've been holding on to for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. And then they're back to being the teenagers that were best friends. It's, it's fun. I before like things movie. got weird between them. This used to be on Netflix all the time and now it's never... It was on HBO when I watched it. Yeah. And then like, I'm glad I watched it when I did because like a couple weeks later it was gone. Yeah. Because I think like uh, someone was asking about it and I was like, oh, it's on HBO. And then they checked and they were like, nope, it's not. And then I checked and I was like, oh my God, it's gone. <laughs> so thank God I watched it. Well, it's like, it's like, um, we'll get to it way down the line, but like Working Girl for years has been on Netflix mm-hmm. and then I actually just went to watch it randomly the other day and it's not. And I'm like, oh, Fuck. Yeah. So it's like, it was one of those things like Turning Point for years was on Netflix and I'm just not. Mm-hmm. Anyway, where and, we got? Uh, moving on to Jane Fonda in Julia. Mm-hmm. This is her third of seven nominations. Previously nominated for They Shoot Horses, Don't They? and Clute, which she won for. Going into this, she won the Golden Globe for Drama. She won the BAFTA the next year, um, nominated with Anne Bancroft. And she was nominated for the National Society of Film Critics. In Julia, Jane Fonda plays Lillian Hellman, the real-life playwright who has to go on this dangerous mission of smuggling money into Nazi Germany in order to save her childhood friend Julia, played by Vanessa Redgrave, who is a, a freedom fighter, more or less, over there as the Nazis are rising to power. So thoughts on Jane Fonda in Julia? Long silence. I like the scene where she... Fights the typewriter and throws it out the window. Oh, yeah. That's fun. That's the Gene Fonda that I think I grew to love from, like, Grace and Frankie. Um, I think this is good. I mentioned in 71 that I think her work in Clute is some of the best work that she's done. Yeah. Emotionally. I agree. Not verbally. And this is probably her best verbal performance of the 70s mm-hmm. and not her best emotional performance. I'm switching it a little bit. Okay. I think that's why I took that long breath there of silence because I had to like really word this right because I don't hate this performance. Uh-huh. I think it's really good. Um, I just don't know how to describe my feelings towards it. Yeah, so I, ha- I kind of have mixed feelings about it. I don't dislike her in this role. Mm-hmm. She has like different worlds that she's operating in. So she has like her back home world where she lives with Dashiell Hammett and she's trying to make it as a playwright and of course if you know who Lillian Hellman is she definitely does make it at some point but this is before that I think this is before she did the children's hour mm-hmm. or the little foxes I can't remember which place she's working on in this movie but that of course becomes a huge hit it was just like redone on Broadway recently with Cynthia Nixon and Laura Linney yeah and then she has like her Julia world which yeah. is told largely in flashback and then there's stuff going on right now with the Nazis so you see different sides of who Lillian Hellman is. Yeah. And I think I enjoyed the Dashiell Hammett stuff better, like the, the where she's struggling to write. For some reason, I just found that more compelling. Yeah. The Julia stuff is interesting. I'd be very curious to see how this movie would be made now because I don't know if you were picking up on it, but there was like some like queer stuff going on i felt oh i definitely feel like there's a lesbian undertone to that movie with the two characters. and lillian a, a common theme in lillian hellman's writing is lesbian stuff so <laughs> lesbian lesbian stuff so if this movie were made now and not in 1977 i wonder how much more that would be explored i yeah. felt like it was a missed opportunity and that might just be a sign of the times yeah but 
I found the stuff she was doing back home more interesting. I think this movie, the movie lacks a certain level of suspense when she does get to Europe that I feel maybe hurt Jane Fonda's performance. Mm -hmm. So I feel like she was doing fine, but is it Zinnemann? He directed this, right? Uh, Fred Zinnemann, yep. Yeah. So this movie needed a certain level of tension that I think was kind of lacking in the second half, and I think that was to Jane Fonda's detriment. So if you don't mind, I'm gonna I'm gonna sideburn the lesbian stuff a little bit because I want to bring that conversation with Julia. I was going to when we get to the '80s in season two with the color purple with Celie oh. and Suge. Yeah. So I mean, are you cool with that, or I'll touch it now? It's up to you. You were going to talk about Julia with the color purple? Yes. Oh, interesting. Yes. I mean, you can save it if you want. I, I, I think I will, because okay. I think it'll be a really good conversation to bring into 1985 when we get okay. to, to next season. Um, I 100% agree with you on everything you just said, though. Yeah. I do think, personally, Fonda acts... Sorry, guys. There's like a plane. There's like a really yeah, loud, that's a really loud plane. I'm sure you guys hear that. I mean, wow. that's in our speakers, like, really loudly. Is it about to crash into us? That's, like, I really don't know. loud. Dude. If it does, if it does, Marina Tenevio... No, I'm kidding. Oh, jeez. Uh, I was going to throw a Roma, Roma hate there. Um, no, I I, uh, I think Fonda acts circles around Redgrave here. I think she's amazingly a thousand times better, but I 100% agree. I don't think there's anything I can add more outside of just want to sideburn the lesbian mm-hmm. stuff a little bit. Okay. Um, but I agree. I, I think I think Fonda does really good work here, but it's verbally. Yeah. Yeah. And with Lillian Hellman being a playwright, I think that makes sense. Yeah. I yeah. don't know who wrote this movie, but no. I think uh, they knew they were writing for a writer. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got nothing else for right now on Jane Fonda, if you wanted to... Move yeah, on let's, let's, uh, to our final lead actress of the year, and that is Marsha Mason in The Goodbye Girl. Mm-hmm. This is her second of four nominations, previously up for Cinderella Liberty back in 1973. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wins the Golden Globe for comedy this year, tying with Diane Keaton for Annie Hall, and she's nominated for the BAFTA, and again, the next year. It was kind of a running thing. The BAFTAs were like later on in 1977. Yeah. And in The Goodbye Girl, she plays Fal- uh, Paula McFadden, a dancer who has suddenly been dumped by her live-in boyfriend, and she and her daughter are forced to live with a struggling actor named, uh, or played by Richard Dreyfuss, mm-hmm. after their apartment gets sort of sublet out from under them yeah. in a weird turn of events. So thoughts on Marsha Mason? She's a joy in this film. Yeah. I, like, I'm glad we can finally talk about The Goodbye Girl because we've talked about Marsha Mason before. With Cinderella Liberty in 1973, right. and we were both kind of on the same page. Like we weren't really big fans of it. Yeah, the movie or exactly her performance. Right. This is one though where, and this is her follow up. Right. Th- this is she got two consecutive Oscar nominations, but literally years apart because she didn't act after Cinderella, Cinderella or Liberty. This is her follow up to this movie, so this is a fantastic mm-hmm. nominated performance. Um, she's so over the top, and she's yeah. so. She's doing more than she should, but it works for her. Yeah, she's a, she's an artist, and artists are pretty expressive, and she definitely yeah. plays into that. And this is this is why I think Quinn Cummings does really good here because she, as character, she's her daughter's mother. Or that makes she's sense. Her, yeah. So wait, wait, hold yeah. On. Wait, she's she's her, her daughter. mother's daughter. There we go. Yes, she's her mother. I, I was on your wavelength. I Thank knew what you. You, were you knew going what for. I was saying. I just had yeah. to really, I was like, wait a minute, huh? Um, there's a scene in this movie that gets me every time, and it's so small. But it's when she gets back into dancing and she's like, 
she can't keep up with all the other dancers and her dance instructor is like, what happened to you? And she's like, I got old. And she's like 30 years old at this point. But by dancer standards. By dancer standards, she's like 80, which I get because I'm going to be 27 this weekend and I'm at the point where I'm already having a thousand milligrams of ibuprofen for breakfast every day. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know if you've reached that stage yet. No, I'm doing okay. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. Um, but no, I mean, so, I mean, I, I, I think this is a great, this is a joyful performance. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed her in this movie. I was a big fan of the movie. Um, this I do my, like the movie as yeah, well. Yeah, this was my yeah. first time watching it. Really? Yeah, I had never seen it before. Okay. So, um, I liked her a lot. Um, the only, like, thing that kind of went through my mind is because, um, eventually she and Richard drive us, you know, they inevitably start a romance. Yeah. As is going to happen with a movie like this. Right. But there was a certain point in the movie where I was like, what does he see in her? Because it's not that she, it's, she's giving a great performance, but like romantically, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what's exactly drawing him to her. Maybe he's just drawn to how complicated she is and maybe yeah. she's like a conundrum that he wants to unravel and he's an actor who's always doing that with like his characters. So like maybe that's the thing. But like as like a person, I was like, what's, what's, what's his deal with her? Yeah. She's kind of like, kind of mean to him at points and she, oh, she like abuses him. In like in a, in a in a psychological way for sure. Yeah, and like it, she's oh. like, oh, an actor again, worthless. Oh, you ask an actor what he's done, and he just gives you his resume, and it's like, bitch. And now, like in all fairness to her, she's just been scorned by an by actor. An actor yeah. And he has basically moved into their apartment that they're already living in because her her ex sublets it to yeah. him, and I don't know if he, they're just supposed to have left, but like they're not leaving. Like all their stuff, their life is there. And the like, landlord is like so 70s like new york like i don't give a fuck just someone pay me rent like yeah, just deal with it yeah just figure it out yeah and so like i get where like her bitterness comes from yeah but like at some point i was like what is he seeing her she's really mean yeah and i mean i don't mean to jump back to this but the, you know when you when you have a movie like this which really there are three characters there's dreyfus cummings and mason Mm-hmm. And even though Dreyfus and Mason are like the two you follow, it's the on-screen chemistry that Mason and Cummings have together. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, their their bond is which, so good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, there, you know, there's that scene where I forget what exactly is happening with Lucy, the Cummings character, and Mason's like, oh, "You were never four. You were born twenty-six. And it's like that is. You know that's going to be a mother-daughter relationship where they're best friends as adults. Mm-hmm. Or when, when Lucy gets to be an adult. I don't know. I like The Goodbye Girl a lot. I would be my runner-up as Best Picture this year next to the next to the turning point. So, I mean, I, I like it a lot. Yeah, I was a, I was a fan of it. I was enjoying it. Yeah. It was my first time seeing it. Yeah, yeah, it was a treat. I had this on VHS. And I, 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 Throwback. I, yeah. I, um, I won't update it because it's just... There's something about watching this on VHS that's just nostalgic. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted... You and I were definitely not around in 1977. No. Um, but there's something about watching it on the grainy VHS tape that's like, just puts you in the mood for like yeah. the whole movie. So mm-hmm. I like it. I do too. Yeah. So shall we get to the rankings? Yeah. All right. So just to go over again, our nominees for Best Supporting Actress were Melinda Dillon in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Quinn Cummings for The Goodbye Girl, Leslie Brown for The Turning Point, Vanessa Redgrave for Julia, and then we had Tuesday Weld for Looking for Mr. Goodbar. Um, so since Supporting Actress was my category, yes. I will start it off. 
My fifth slot is going to Melinda Dillon for Close Encounters of the Third Kind, just because she's not memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think she's the worst acting in this lineup, but you're not going to get past the fifth spot for me if I can't remember you at all. Right. So for that reason, Melinda Dillon goes into my fifth spot. Uh, my fifth spot is also Melinda Dillon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely f- did not remember her in this movie. Like when I when I learned that there was a supporting actress nomination for this movie, I couldn't remember who that would have been. Yeah. And even after I realized which character it was, I could not think of any scenes yeah. that she had been in. And then when I went to watch it again, I was like, it's fine. Like I, I'm yeah. happy for her. But this is uh, not the best in the lineup by far. Yeah, and like I said, I would have given the nomination from for a lady there to uh, Terry Gar. Mm-hmm. I think she does way better with what she has, and she has even less to do than Dylan. Yeah. Um, but I think Terry Gar is the most memorable of the whole movie for me. So. Yeah. Um, my number four spot goes to the winner of this year, Vanessa Redgrave in Julia. Um, I would say that as the group, she's my least favorite of the acting but again, she's not in the fifth spot just because at least I can remember her and Julia. Um, I kind of said my piece on it. I don't want to hate on this too much because then I, I feel like I'm just going to be like branded as a Redgrave hater. Mm-hmm. Which again, if we started in the 60s and we talked about Morgan and Isadora, it wouldn't be that way. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, she doesn't need to be any higher. I don't think she, she should have won this year. I do want to comment on though that because it was kind of brought up before you move on just because this I've already brought the name up. The reason why her win was so controversial, though, we didn't talk about it at all, so really quick. Um, She made a speech talking about Zionist hoodlums and this kind of like the state of the statue of Jews all over the world. And there were a lot of protests because of how politically outspoken she was. Um, When Vanessa Redgrave had done this, um, her acceptance speech, she actually got a lot of boos, not once, but twice in her speech. Yeah, it's like audible. Yeah. If you watch the speech on YouTube, you can hear But she also has a lot of support, but it got to the point where she got a lot of death threats, and there were jokes, and but serious jokes, made at her expense throughout the entire night, where at the after parties, she had to hire a bodyguard, and nobody would talk to her, because she, it was, not that they would be blacklisted, but it would, it was kind of like, are we going to be blacklisted if we interact with her? So, that's why her win was so controversial. Mm-hmm. So, she, she, she stood up for um, Jews all over the world, and spoke out against a very powerful political movement at that time. Mm-hmm. So, do you have anything you want to add to the controversy before you get to your ranking? Uh, not exactly. It's honestly a controversy that I'm not too super educated on. Yeah. So I kind of reserve any opinions because I don't want to say the wrong thing and, or say something without um, any real backing. Heard. So I just kind of... I just want to touch a... on it because we, we talked, I mentioned it, but we yeah. didn't talk about so why I, it was controversial. So I'll take, I usually take a step back if I don't feel informed. Heard. And this is one of those moments. Heard. Well, moving on then to your number four. Yeah, so my number four is Tuesday Weld for looking for Mr. Goodbar. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that she got nominated here. Tuesday Weld had a pretty great career up to this point. I'm really glad she got recognized finally. But she definitely gets overshadowed here by Diane Keaton. And... Um, I don't really find the performance all that memorable. Like, I liked it in the moment, but thinking about it later, all I really think about is Diane Keaton and not Tuesday Weld. So she's getting my fourth spot. Well, I heard you with your number four. And my number three is actually Tuesday Weld. Um, I think Tuesday's really good here. I like her a lot more than you do. I definitely... um, I do find it odd that out of the looking for Mr. Goodbar ladies, she is the one that's chosen. But I also get it because there's that political aspect of the Oscars and campaigning. 
Um, if Annie Hall had happened in another year. Then Diane Keaton would have been in. Yeah. However, she's not, so I'm going to focus on Weld with this one. I think she does really good. I, I respond to her as the oldest child about like getting into trouble and being the rebel. Um, I, I just kind of wish she had more to do. And again, here's that more to do supporting actress thing that we always talk about. Um, I like her character. I would have loved to see kind of her finding... Diane Keaton's body at the end of it, but I also think mm. the movie ended really well. Yeah. I don't think we needed it, but I would have loved to see it. Yeah. So um, she's my number three. Okay. My number three is going to Quinn Cummings mm-hmm. for The Goodbye Girl. I enjoyed her a lot in this movie. Uh, she makes the whole precocious child thing work, which usually just like gets on my nerves to no end. But I thought she did a wonderful job. I wish she would have had more of a career after this. I understand her reasonings behind all that, yeah. her wanting to take a step back, and I respect that. But um, with these last two here, I had more of a visceral response to their performances. And so even though I really admire Quinn Cummings here, she's getting my number three spot. Um, so my final two then are Leslie Brown and Quinn Cummings. And your final two are? Uh, Leslie Brown and Vanessa Redgrave. Okay. So my number two, this was a really hard decision for me. Um, I think both Leslie and Quinn are fantastic here. Number one is debuts. But number two, I just... This was one of those years where I'm going to have to pull out my first tie. Okay. And actually give it to both Quinn Cummings and Leslie Brown. Um, we've mentioned it before, but if you if we have the option of giving a tie to somebody, we can use a tie twice in this in, in, a, decade. in a decade. And so I haven't used it yet. Right. And so I'm going to give the first tie to Quinn Cummings and Leslie Brown just because I can't make a decision. Mm-hmm. Quinn is fantastic as the little child actress that she is in this movie. She plays Lucy perfectly. Leslie, for being a dancer, does so well as for not being an actress and emoting everything that Amelia is going through. That drunk scene really sells me on it. Um, the the love she has for Misha, uh, Misha Brzezhnikov's character, and then she's heartbroken. She's like, fuck you! And like, I get it. We've been there. But I don't think I there is a way for me to choose either or. And this is a year where we should have seen a tie, in my opinion, and it should have been between Quinn and Leslie. Okay. So I have uh, Vanessa Redgrave and Leslie Brown left. Mm-hmm. I am not going to invoke my tie. I'm going to give my runner-up spot to Leslie Brown. I'm giving it to Vanessa Redgrave this year. Okay. So Leslie Brown, wonderful debut in The Turning Point. For someone who's, I guess in a way you could say playing herself, she doesn't sound, she doesn't feel like she's phoning it in. Yeah. She doesn't feel like she's just saying her lines and going home. Mm-hmm. She's definitely creating a character who she may very well have been the basis for. Mm-hmm. But I was there for it. Like, I was feeling her story the entire time. And, like, her drunk scene, hilarious. Yeah. I was, Cherries from remembering. Her, like, journey from, like, they're in, like, Oklahoma, I think. To New York, yeah. Yeah, and then she goes to New York, and she's at this dance school. She's under Anne Bancroft's wing, and she kind of fucks up there for a time. Mm-hmm. Then she kind of has a little uh, redemption. Then she gets heartbroken and works through it. I was there for it. But Vanessa Redgrave... I've liked her a lot in Julia, and I know you didn't, which yeah. is re- it's always interesting when that happens. Um, I really like that scene between them at that like bar at the end when they're in Germany. Yeah, she has like, she's she's definitely a seasoned actress, and you can tell in that moment she's giving a lot without doing a whole lot, but she's also doing a lot without looking like it. I don't know; it's kind of hard to describe because she's giving yeah. signals, yeah. and being clandestine about it, but it's clear. Yeah. And that line is really fascinating to me. Yeah. And um, that scene kind of got to me, and it's the scene that I'm left remembering when the movie's over. 
and it's the scene that I think about when I think of Julia. Okay. Because honestly, I don't think about Jane Fonda. I think of the title character, Julia, okay. and that scene in particular. So I'm perfectly okay with the Academy giving it to Vanessa Redgrave that year. Heard that. Heard that. Well, I mean, we were, we were kind of close with um, Leslie there. Yeah. I honestly thought you were going Leslie Brown for your first. It was, it was it a was, tough decision. I really thought you were, and I was going to be really, really excited because nobody ever chooses Leslie Brown as their first. Well, she's my runner-up, so. Yes. Did you expect me? Yeah, I had a feeling. I know. Yeah. I knew you were a big fan of the Goodbye Girl, and I know you love Leslie Brown and Turning Point. So yeah. I had a feeling those were your number two. I wasn't sure if you were going to use your tie, but I had a feeling that that was your top two. I had a feeling that you kind of knew because you did make a comment. So I was like, how do I play this out? I'm like, okay, okay. So number two, uh-huh. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm going to throw him for a loop. But no, you, you were right. You were yeah. right. Um, all right. So. So the uh, nominees for lead actress in 1977 were Diane Keaton for Annie Hall, and Bancroft for The Turning Point, Jane Fonda for Julia, Shirley MacLaine for The Turning Point, and Marcia Mason for The Goodbye Girl. Mm-hmm. And my number five spot goes to the winner of the year, Diane Keaton. Love her in Looking for Mr. Goodbar. Annie Hall is not her best performance, and I honestly don't think she's um, really all that impressive in Annie Hall, considering everything else I know that she's able to do. Mm-hmm. I think her win for Annie Hall was a mix between people just loving that movie and the people who were voting for her for a good bar, albeit for a different film. Mm-hmm. And with the rest of this lineup, um, she's my fifth. So I'm gonna agree with you here. Um, the fifth spot definitely is Diane Keaton, especially pretty much for everything you just said. I've gotten Nothing other to this, other than to say again, right winner, wrong movie. Had Good Bar been in here instead of Annie Hall, she would 100% be my winner of this year. No. <laughs> I, I, she's Compared to the others, it's just, meh. And I would like to mention, though, like... No, I can't say without giving it away. Okay, go ahead. I'm okay. good. So my number four to the year is going to Shirley MacLaine mm-hmm. for The Turning Point. Um... I like the roller coaster of emotions that she uh, took me along, or t- I was on a ride and she took me along for it through all of her emotions. Mm-hmm. That made sense. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to go with it. So um, I said it earlier, she's kind of soapy. Yeah. Um, I was living for it, but at the same time, it's, it's not Oscar worthy to me. Maybe the nomination I'm cool with, but I'm not going to give the award for it because I feel like I can, I can watch that movie and know everything that's going through her head. Yeah. These other characters, not so much. <laughs> so, yeah, she's going to get my number four for the year. Um, so my number four is also Shirley MacLaine. Um, I had mentioned it in the beginning. When I think of The Turning Point, I definitely see it as the Leslie Brown and Anne Bancroft movie. I think Shirley MacLaine is just along for the ride. Um, so this is a coattail nomination, in my opinion. Um Deserved nomination, mm-hmm. but not not the winner. Yeah, happy for Shirley yeah. for her nomination, but yeah. she's not getting my win. Neither for me. And not for the Academy. <laughs> nope. <laughs> they kind of felt the same. Maybe not the same reasons, yeah. but they were like, no, this isn't, this isn't the winner. So uh, my number three for the year goes to Jane Fonda for Julia. Um, I like her in this. Don't love her. It's not her best work. The movie kind of brings her down a little bit for me. Um, I feel like there's points in the movie where she's doing all the work, mm-hmm. and I admire that. The movie definitely could have brought her up at times. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you felt this way, but I also 
felt like she was a bit miscast. I don't know if I fully bought her as Lillian Hellman. I think she's doing fine with the material she's given. Maybe I, I know a little bit more about Lillian Hellman, uh-huh. and I just wasn't feeling her in that role. So, yeah, it kind of took me out a little bit because I just I wasn't fully able to commit. So I swear I'm not copying you. <laughs> okay. But my number three is also Jane Fonda, and I also feel that she was miscast. I think she was cast because of her political beliefs, and this is a very political-driven mm, movie. That makes sense. Just as Redgrave was cast for politicalness compared to the what could have been. Um, do you have someone in mind? Because I do. I do, but I want to hear yours first. Lily Tomlin. <sighs> Lily Tomlin, I think. Really? Yeah, I think okay. she would have brought a, a very sincere, quiet, determined nature to the Lillian Hellman character and all that lesbian stuff mm-hmm. that I talked about earlier. I think she would have tapped into whether or not the director was interested. And I think the movie would have been more interesting. Okay. Okay. I actually have two people okay. in mind. Is and I could Karen Black. No. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is not a this is not a performance where I could have seen Karen Black. Yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, I could have Karen Black can do anything, but yeah. I don't think I would have This isn't know. her thing. Um both of which we've talked about before on the show. Okay. Um, one is Janet Sussman. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, I just think the demeanor of Sussman as a person fits Lillian Hellman really, really well. Oops, I just dropped my pen. Um, so Sussman is one, and she's a little louder. However, I could have seen her pull it off with like the kind of the the what's the word I'm looking for the. Uh, like combative nature. Com- yeah, but like a her, um, with her dad, with her like the. Oh, you mean da- her husband or loving the Dashiell Hannah character? Uh. Oh my God! I think I'm having a stroke. No, her dad in the movie. Oh. Wait, is what's his name not her dad? The writer. Yeah. That they were a couple. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I've seen this movie numerous times, and I've always thought that was her father. No, I don't think so. Living in the Beach House. Uh, what's his name? He won the Dashiell, Oscar for it. Dashiell Hammett? Uh, Jason Robards. Jason here. Robards. That's not her dad. No. Holy shit. No, okay. Dashiell Hammett was a writer. He wrote The Maltese Falcon. Okay. Well, he was a I was d- mystery this impression writer. all these years that was her father. Okay, so stand corrected. However, with the, with the fierceness of that, I could have seen Susan Terrell. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Susan Terrell is a very big personality. And I think it would have worked really well. But, I mean, if you've seen some of Susan's other work, um, she knows how to bring it in. And mm-hmm. I think she would have done really well here. I think this is just definitely one of those cases where it is um, star power, mm-hmm. which even af- after an Oscar nomination, Susan didn't have. So, right. um, But, yeah, I could have seen Janet Sussman or Susan Terrell do this role. Right. Fondo. Anyway, wow, we got really sidetracked. Uh-huh. All right. So, so we both have left. Uh, Anne Bancroft and Marsha Mason. Uh-huh. So for my number two, I'm giving it to Marsha Mason, and I'm giving the win to Anne Bancroft. Love Marsha Mason in this. I love it so much more than Cinderella Liberty. I think this movie is more, I don't want to say more suited to her, mm-hmm. but I, I bought her performance more here than in Cinderella Liberty, and I was also just more interested in the movie, and I think that helps. I feel like the, I don't know if the role was written with her in mind, but if you, would, if you were to tell me that, I'd believe you. Yeah. But Anne Bancroft here completely, like, drew me in, and I was fascinated by her character. Mm -hmm. She's a character, I think I've said this on another episode, 
but I'm really fascinated when a character has secrets. Like you can tell that there's they're holding something back. Yeah. They have a past that they're not willing to share right away, or they have feelings about a certain character they don't want to share right away. And you want to peel back those layers, and eventually you do, hopefully. Uh-huh. And with Anne Bancroft, she was one of those people I was like, she's, she's going to let it all go at some point, <laughs> and I'm going to learn so much shit, and it's going to be amazing. And that was one of those performances for me. Like I was completely into this character, and Anne Bancroft was just perfect. You know? Nice. So I, she I, gets my win. I like your win. Now, I, for years, with my love of the Goodbye Girl, I've always had Marsha Mason as my winner. Mm-hmm. However, after my most recent viewing of The Turning Point and really, really like taking it all in even more, I have to agree with you. Marsha Mason is my runner-up, which means I'm giving it to Anne Bancroft. Oh, wow. Which, so we completely agree across here. The across the board. Across the board on lead actress, right? Um... I mean, I even have it written in my notes as Marsha Mason, I'm showing you now, as uh-huh. number one. And I yeah. wrote these out a couple of weeks ago because this is how I've kind of always felt. Yeah. Um, but recently viewing The Turning Point, and I, like I said, I've always loved this movie, but there's something about Bancroft that pulls you in. And when she's on screen, you're, you're given just enough, but you still want more. But she doesn't give it to you, so it's a tease, and you still want more, and you love her for it. And I just, I think she's really good here. I wish she would have won this Academy Award. And she's the perfect balance to Shirley yeah. MacLaine's character. Because yeah. Shirley MacLaine is that character who's just letting it all go. And she's going to tell you what's on her mind, and she's going to say it with such conviction and emotion. Yeah. And Anne Bancroft's just sitting there in the corner just listening. Yeah. Not it's saying so everything that's on her mind. Only a little bit to yeah. satisfy you, but yeah. you know there's more. Yeah, I agree. So... Annie Hall, Diane Keaton, and Bancroft wins. However, uh-huh. Good Bar, Diane Keaton. If Good Bar, Diane Keaton, Keaton were here, wins. she would be my number one. Yeah. And Bancroft gets my win as the lineup is. Yeah. As the lineup should have been. Right. With Diane Keaton's superior performance and looking for Good Bar being Agreed. nominated, she gets my win. Agreed. Well, that that was actually really fun. We yeah. I don't think it, have we. Have we ever agreed no, across not, no. in a category? Because originally in my lineup here, here's how I had it. I had McLean at five, Fonda at four, Keaton at three, Bancroft at one, Mason, or Bancroft at two, Mason at one. But I have in my notes, I have a switch on Fonda and McLean, putting Fonda at five, McLean at four. However, I had switched Keaton in our talk oh. about Annie Hall just because I finally also reached someone who's just as passionate about Good Bar. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, I'll put her a little higher up. And then as we were talking, I'm like mentally switching these. So I don't think, had I gone to my original notes, we would not have agreed, but um, we definitely agree here yeah. around the board for actress at least. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, anything else you want to add? Um, no, I think I'm good. Perfect. Well, 1977 has been fun. Yeah. I will see you next week in 1978. And right. then we're almost done here with our first season. Yeah. Sounds exciting. Uh-huh. Alrighty, guys. So until next time, I'm Joey Gentili. I'm Brandon Stanwyck. And we are Academy Queens, your LGBT look into the Academy Awards per category per decade. And this has been 1977, where we gave the Oscar to Anne Bancroft and myself for Leslie Brown and Queen Cummings. And mine for Anne Bancroft and Vanessa Redgrave. And we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.